Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribute on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It's Friday and that can only mean one thing. It's Legends of Sport Friday. It's Andy Bernstein. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm great, Arash. Always great to see you, my friend. Always great. See. You too. I, I, I love this week's episode, and it's a classic uh, for two reasons. A, it's with Shanae Ogumike, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. She does it all. She's on TV. She plays for the Sparks. The last story I did before the pandemic was with Shanae Ogumike. This is when you talked to her. She was the most prepared I had seen anyone, and I was and this was before things totally shut down. She was, she had it all. She was ready and, and, and she was prepared because of her time playing abroad. She was familiar with China. She was familiar with what's happening. Take me back again. By the way, so I'm in Vegas for a Sweet 16 Elite Eight. And I was reminded that three years ago, this weekend, they shut down the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, just, when we think of where we were three years ago, Incredible, but this week's um, episode, which Shanae, take me back. Well, you know, Shanae, I've been following her career, of course, you know, at, at UConn, then, of course, at, um, at Connecticut when she played for the Sun, and then yep. and she came to the Sparks, and we, you know, became friends. And I was following what she was doing in the media, and just one of the most outgoing, wonderfully unique, um, genuine genuine people that I think you and I have met in this business, right? Yeah. She and her sister, I met I met her dad. Um, we were at the Africa Games, and I, I remember meeting her dad, and I saw him a bunch of times, a whole family. Anyway, so it was April 2020, and I was sequestered in my, in my office. <laughs> doing like podcasts, like three a day, you know, and uh, I reached out to Shanae and she was so gracious. She came on and we, we had a wonderful conversation. Um, she was telling me how she was staying in shape and she was yeah. back home in Houston with her family. And, um, you know, the, it was a little challenging as it was for all of us. But uh, like you said, she um, she's had so much life experience Um and and basketball experience and being able to pick her brain and all that was uh was comforting at that time to be honest with you because you know we were all kind of spun out in that moment none of us knew what was going to happen exactly you know the nba hadn't and the wnba hadn't announced the bubbles yet yeah happened um we didn't know what was going to happen with the pandemic you know, I got my kid is home doing uh, the, the seventh grade on Zoom. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> but she was just wonderful to talk to. So we were really happy as part of Women's History Month yeah. uh, 
to release this classic episode with Sinead because uh, truly one of my favorite people in the world. This will probably be a classic episode at some point come, coming up on the three-year mark for you. But when you look back on it, because you're right, it, it was this time of year, the end of March, mid-March. We have that last homestand. It's uh, the Clippers and the Lakers, the Lakers and the yeah. Bucks, and then the Lakers and Brooklyn Nets. And we're getting ready for the Lakers in Houston when the league got shut down. What were you doing, Jazz and the Thunder, when you found out the league has been shut down? I was dumbfounded. Um, you know, we all were, I think, but it was just, it was unprecedented, obviously. Uh, Man, I remember that last game. That it was it was Lakers in Brooklyn. I yeah. think it was right? Lakers and Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom! The next day, everything goes away. Yeah. You know, and keep in mind that we do the LA Kings. Oh, yeah. We do all the concerts and the entertainment in both venues at LA Live. You know, Microsoft Theater and what was then Staples Center. Um, so a hundred percent of my personal and my company's business our work a hundred percent of it shut down yeah. in 24 hours because it was boom 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 you know it was nba nhl green yeah. shut down we're done so it's so much uncertainty um and uh you know thank god we got through it i think yeah. adam silver's vision of 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 creating the, the nba and WNBA bubbles and then of course we saw what would happen with the nhl and what baseball did um, and sports being the great unifier for the world, not just for our country, but for the world, all sports were shut down. And, uh, you know, remember when uh, The Last Dance came out? Yeah. And the, the world was hungry for anything with sports, right? <laughs> That's right. But ESPN in a home run by, by releasing that at that time. And, um, yeah, man, it was, it was a, you know, it was only three years ago, but it feels like... It, it either feels like it was yesterday or it feels like a hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, with that said, let's now get to your classic interview on Legends of Sport Friday with Shade Agumake. So the NBA recently, well, I guess it's on hold right now, but was about to launch the NBA Africa League, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you see um, an NBA Africa League for women? And what, what's the state of women's basketball in Africa? Absolutely. So I've worked with NBA Africa ever since I've become a professional. I've gone to Nigeria, obviously, to South Africa, where we were, mm -hmm. uh, to Kenya, to Rwanda, all just to try to celebrate basketball, but in particular, women's basketball, girls' basketball. Because, mm -hmm. like, so NBA Africa is a fantastic organization, um, and they've really done a great job, especially with the development of this new league, which is so pretty much the NBA for Africa, which is mm -hmm. going to be huge. Yeah. I think the women's league is not too far behind, but mm -hmm. um, the state of basketball in Africa is first and foremost, Africa is a patriarchal, you know, society, meaning like as much as we consider patriarchy to be the norm throughout the world, it's extremely the case, you know, outside of the U S especially in Africa. Mm. And so um, when it comes to my experience as a athlete, even when my sister and I in the U S we're starting to play basketball when I was around 10. 
my parents put us into basketball just because they are, you know, we were academically sound and four girls in one house. We need to put them in some kind of constructive activity so they get tired. Right. right. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, they put us into basketball and then watching us be, um, be in basketball. I think my parents realized, wow, this is really good. They learn camaraderie, teamwork, work ethic, discipline, and also to care about, you know, the last player on the team as much as you care about yourself or even mm-hmm. the star player. So they saw a lot of great values in basketball. But when we started playing, you know, being in Houston, Texas, they call it Little Niger because it's a huge, um, it's probably the hub of Nigerians in the, in the U.S. And largely because the climate is very similar to Nigeria. And also it's an oil city, just like Nigeria is an oil country. Mm-hmm. And so when we were visiting my parents' friends that are all Nigerians on the weekends, they would always look at us sideways just because we were coming in our basketball uniforms or we weren't helping in the kitchen like typical young girls should help with their parents or we weren't mm. speaking evil and they're like attributing it to us doing too much as girls. And this mm. was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for the people here. Yeah. Now imagine what it's like to be born and raised in Nigeria or in any country in Africa where like the norm is for women to be you know, a wife or to cook and clean and not have any aspirations other than that. That's why I say Africa is a patriarchal society and typically, you know, culture. Mm -hmm. So like the beautiful thing that I found is that, you know, when I went abroad and studied abroad, I'm an international relations major. And when I studied abroad, which is a requirement of that major, I went to Nigeria just because they gave me an exception because I was like, if I'm going to have eight weeks, might as well go back to my heritage and, you know, kill two birds with one stone, pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went back and that I was working with a nonprofit profit called access to success. And there were two basketball courts, two outdoor basketball courts where they were running the camp hundreds. I'm telling you hundreds of kids <laughs> and even like from kids that just started to walk to older adults that just literally were like, didn't have shoes, didn't have the proper clothes, but just loved basketball were there. I'm sure they didn't tell their parents or their partners or significant others or their friends. Like they just showed up because they heard that people were coming from the States that were trying to help people learn the game of basketball. That's where my eyes opened. There were girls there too, but not too many. And so over the past few years, as much as I can, like, you know, I work a lot like you, our schedule is extremely demanding but yeah. any time I get the first thing I want to do like obviously I want to go on vacation and just like chill yeah but the first thing I always do is go back to Nigeria just because I understand that my representation of just being a female athlete that has defied norms and expectations um goes so far Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I go back and I go and speak specifically to the girls. I've gone to schools. I went back to my mom's boarding school that she went to from age 13 to 16. Yeah. Queen's College in Lagos, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. 4,000 girls, all girls school. Mm-hmm. And we went and refurbished their basketball gym, got them all the new and latest Adidas shoes, sports bras, spandex, mm-hmm. t-shirts, balls, like everything. Mm-hmm. Reinstalled yeah. lights, like it was, so, it's just so important for them to see that they're not alone in their, in their dreams and their aspirations. And then I would just end by saying like the most fulfilling job I've ever done is probably working sports in Africa, mm-hmm. because in order to change the norms and the stereotypes as it pertains to Africa, um, being able to deliver the sports news to the millions of sports fans that are typically men and themselves, you know, hear the news from a Nigerian American female athlete that has mm-hmm. achieved her dreams. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll change the way they think about girls in general and girls mm-hmm. in sports throughout Africa. Yeah. 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 Well said. Yeah. I, I listened to your podcast, um, the episode that you had just come back from uh, Queens college and you talked so eloquently about it and you were so excited about it too. I come uh, alive when I, 
becomes the African hoops man. Yeah, right. I'm wondering, are there any African-born players in the WNBA? I'm not, there, I, I'm not there, sure. There was, mm-hmm. but not now currently to my knowledge. Oh, okay, I got you. I don't know. Temi Fagbele, I think, was is UK, born in the UK. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of players of Nigerian heritage. And uh, besides my sister and I, like Elizabeth Williams, Arike Ogumbuwale, uh-huh. Lori Johnson, like right. There's, right. A, there's a good group of Nigerians in particular uh, or people yeah. of Nigerian heritage in the WNBA. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So growing up, right, in, in Houston, you obviously had the WNBA to aspire to. I mean, it, it, that's what the direction you wanted to go with your life and become a professional athlete. You know, we had Nancy Lieberman on, who's a good friend, and of course, she had no no professional league to aspire to past the Olympics. The Olympics was it for her. So, you know, what an incredible gift, I guess, those women who paved the way, you know, for you guys. And and even the in the early days of the WNBA, I mean, I was at the very first game between the Liberty and the Sparks when Val Ackerman threw up the very first, you know, jump ball. You have not missed many moments. <laughs> No, but my question, my roundabout question is, um, who are your role models growing up? I mean, obviously you must have had, you know, MJ and, and those, guys, those guys, but in, in the women's area, even sports in general, but basketball specifically, who, who, did, uh, who did you like to emulate? So the, my first athlete that I really wanted to be like was actually Marion Jones. So I remember the Olympics happened. I know it's a a tough story, but still, this was the moment. Yeah. Before we even knew about sports and our family fell into sports, we were watching the Olympics casually and everyone was like, whoa, Marion Jones. I was like, whoa, she's awesome. Like this track female Mm -hmm. athlete. And that's the first time I thought of like female athletes being cool. Mm. Ever since then, and I started delving into the world of women's basketball, I've been so fortunate and lucky to um, know Lisa Leslie Mm -hmm. just because – I met her for the first time when I was at Stanford. She was broadcasting one of our Stanford games. She pulled us to the side, which was really cool. My sister and I and just told us, hey, this is like, like, hey, I'm here to be a resource for you too. Hmm. And that just shook us to our core because she's Lisa freaking Leslie. <laughs> yeah. And then ever since the then, like, as I, became a, I know, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, ever since I became a professional, she's been someone I've literally modeled my career after. Yeah. Just how tenacious she was on the court how but to me more so just because of how she was a perfect combination of being fierce yet feminine mm-hmm. and then even off the court with her broadcasting mm-hmm. and then even she has like five six seven eight jobs 50 11 jobs yeah. um, where she's constantly challenging herself yeah. her as a mother and a sister and a friend and a colleague like she's everything that i aspire to be and so i'm really grateful to have her as a friend yeah i, I adore lisa and uh we go back to her sc days you know um, oh, look at you! Always, you yeah. always be knowing. I know, <laughs> and it's no no uh, wonder why you guys have the same agent with Allison, right? So, <laughs> right? I, I think that's that's great. Um, but what male players? What who is uh, who in the driveway? Who are you trying to be like? You know, AI? Were you trying to be you know like Michael? I mean, who? Who is your honestly? I, I never really wanted to be like anyone in particular, but I uh-huh. will say. That when it, like when it comes to male players, because I'm fortunate to have grown up when I could imagine myself in the WNBA, like Lisa mm-hmm. Leslie, yeah. when she was growing up, she couldn't like have, she didn't have a league to aspire to necessarily. Cause wasn't it the ABA? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of short-lived. Yes, exactly. Right. And of course, there were you know leagues in in uh, foreign countries, but that wasn't here in the U.S. Unfortunately, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but I, I would just say that like the first time I really was excited to meet someone because I'm from Houston, I had Clyde Drexler sign my shoe, which um, <laughs> was yeah. one bigger moment for me. And then I would say another um, guy that I obviously makes sense. I totally was I I was set on air during the jump that I was like. Yo, T Mac, Tracy McGrady, you were like my crush growing up. <laughs> he must have loved that. Basketball crush, basketball <laughs> crush. I grew up following the Rockets. Like, we used to watch the games at night just for sure. fun. He was there, and he was on the team. And I always talk about how my heart would break because every time, you know, like, my mom, I wanted a, a T Mac jersey dress. Yeah. And I never got it because my mom was like, you can get it if they make it past the second round of the playoffs. We haven't done that. James Harden, and then he left us. So yeah, feelings. yeah. The two guys I, I really feel for. I wish they had won the championship. Was T Mac and and Barkley, both of those guys. I mean, it's just amazing talents, you know, and how and how much they've given back to the game, even with their platforms. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. So I, I really need to ask, what was what were those one on one games with with Neca with your sister like growing up? Um, because, you know, I've talked to other guys, Brooke Lopez and Robin and mm-hmm. other, you know, siblings and even Michael Jordan today on, on Good Morning America. I don't know if you saw him, but he like credits his brother Larry with pushing him to be as good as he was. You know, what, w- what was it like? We, we, I can imagine how competitive, but, you know, seeing you guys together I, now, I'd just like to know what it was like back then. Well, it's hilarious because yeah. we never hooped like that. Like, really, basketball has always been a collaborative thing when it comes to my sisters and I. Like, mm. we never have really challenged each other. So the way I was, I would say it is because Neta started off playing basketball that first year without me. She was by herself because I sort of was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm horrible at this. We're so bad. <laughs> and so Neta went through it herself. So every night she'd come back. And so I guess our driveway would be her teaching us how to play. Huh. Janae, this is how you do a crossover. This is how you do a layup. Yeah. This is how you shoot. Let's play horse. Like that type of thing. It was never like, let's play against each other one-on-one. Because at the end of the day, we've always been like tag team. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think playing in the same high school, playing in the same college, and playing on the same professional team means a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because you could have gone elsewhere, right? You, I think, what, you were recruited by UConn and Notre Dame, but you decided to follow NECA to Stanford. Um, yes. Was that like a no-brainer, or did you have to give it some consideration, or what? How did that go? Well, I would say it went. Um, I really enjoyed, and I feel like I, spe- I spoke the same language as Gino. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understood his competitive, like emotional language, and so I really wanted probably that experience too. I went and visited Notre Dame, but to be honest, I knew I wasn't going there when I landed in South Bend in the middle of the cold, and I was like. Where am I? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Stanford was just the perfect mix of everything with Coach Tara and that competitive will. Yeah. And also academics, like, you know, coming yeah. from Nigerian upbringing, mm-hmm. we knew that academics was extremely important. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, all right, if I'm going to hoop and I'm going to study, this is the perfect place. Yeah. Yeah. And you had your sister there, right? Yeah. I mean, with- that did help too. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you ever, do you guys ever foresee all four of you playing in the WNBA at the same time? Well, I, mean, it could, I think it happened. I think Erica 
is likely to, and fingers crossed, be drafted potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia has sort of transitioned more to, she's doing her MBA and wants to sort of attack the business world. Mm-hmm. But for sure, I think they're, very soon we'll find out if there'll be three Ogumake sisters in the WNBA, which will be amazing. Wow, that would be pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> Maybe all three of you will be on the Sparks. How great would that be? You never know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sinead, um, I want to talk about women's sports because you touched on it earlier. And um, I don't know if I told you, but my wife um, is a labor employment lawyer. She was a longtime Title IX coordinator at Cal State L.A. And, you know, I have three daughters. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, equality of women in, the, in my house and in life and in the workplace is, you know, very much in the forefront of, of our existence. That's why we get along so yeah, well. Exactly. And I know that, um, you know, NECA being the president of the, um, the WNBA Players Association and, and you, the vice president, you guys, um, I mean, this historic agreement that you came up the CBA in January I mean, I don't want to downplay it at all because it was so incredibly significant across the board, not just for the WNBA, but... All right, let's leave it there for now. Amazing first segment, a conversation. Classic Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Burstein and Shanae Agumike. When we come back, more of Legends of Sport Friday with Shanae Agumike. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 of Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rashford Cosby Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just, a re- just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, call us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, 310-400-0340. You can win some tickets to a game in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. It's Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Bernstein, the guest this week, one of my favorites, Shaday Agumake. Listen, anyone, my favorite to think about this is you become hooked, you become so enthralled with the conversation you're having, and we just tease you. We just play a snippet, my friend. How can they hear the entire podcast? Well, Arash, um, I'm so grateful to all the loyal followers who just keep coming back week after week, and, and people really enjoy, actually, when we put these classics out because, you know, sometimes people just don't want to go through the whole you know we almost have 200 episodes yeah um yeah when you go to apple or iheart or spotify so it's very easy to find us um you can go to iheart um or apple spotify favorite podcast platform legends of sports name of the podcast Uh, you can find us on instagram at legends of sport um 
my photography you can find at ABB Photo Inc. on Instagram. And uh, if you want to read a lot of different content, and also there's a there's a, a direct right to the podcast on our website, legendsofsport.net. So uh, lots of places to find us. Thank you. And and don't want to forget, don't want to forget our YouTube, our That's YouTube right. and our TikTok channels. Legends of sport. <laughs> Look at you. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Come on. We're, we're full service. <laughs> uh, you also have an exciting workshop coming up, and we talk about it every week, but I, I have a two-part question for you this week. Yeah. A, yeah. tell us about the workshop, and B, tell me what it's like, because I'm sure at this point in your career, you've worked with a lot of young photographers who are now working alongside you and covering these amazing events. What does that do for you when you know that you've helped someone fulfill their dream? Well, that's a great question, Arash. You know, part of my makeup, really, uh, my sort of inner need is to is to be of service, is to help other people, pay it forward, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. I, I believe very, very deeply in my craft. The craft of photography, sports photography specifically, <clears throat> I believe on that. You know that was passed on to me by the greats like Neil Leifer, John Zimmerman, Walter Yost. You know now it's up to me and and my sort of generation, myself, Nat Butler, John McDonough, guys like that, to pass it on to the next generation. And you know the people are very very receptive to that. Um, we found some. I found some great talent along the way, you know, in 40 plus years. Um, this particular workshop um, is not a sort of nuts and bolts, you know, like how to take a great sports picture. You know, it doesn't talk about F-stops and shutter speeds. It does talk about what I've learned in business mm-hmm. by being a successful sports photographer, what, how, how I've enlisted um, – loyalty from my clients how i worked with personalities such as magic pat riley phil jackson of course the great kobe bryant what it meant to to be in the inner sanctum and how i was able to foster those relationships you know you can bring that sort of mamba mentality if you want to call it into your life in whatever profession you're in quite frankly so this is a workshop about business it's about longevity it's about trust it's it it's going to have a uh, we're going to have some some guest speakers going to be a lot they're going to be live components to this as well it's 12 weeks long and people can find it um uh, on the web at beyondthelens.live so beyondthelens.live and uh sign up now we're still running a special an early bird special it's going to launch on june 23rd for 12 consecutive weeks so you know get in soon folks because um I'm really very deeply involved in planning this, you know, hours and hours every week with uh, the person that I'm partnering with happens to be in the UK and he gets up in the middle of the night so we can we can talk about this thing every week. So beyond the lens dot live. Love it. Awesome. Please. Uh, and by the way, just go check out the website as well. A lot of your great pictures and photos from over the years are on there. Uh, with that, with that said, let's now hear the second part of Legends of Sport Friday with Shanae Ogumake. So, Shanae, um, I want to talk about women's sports because you touched on it earlier. And um, I don't know if I told you, but my wife um, 
is a labor employment lawyer. She was a longtime Title IX coordinator at Cal State LA. And, you know, I have three daughters. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, equality of women in, the, in my house and in life and in the workplace is, you know, very much in the forefront of, of our existence. That's why we get along so yeah, well. Exactly. And I know that, um, you know, NECA being the president of the um, – the WNBA Players Association and, and you, the vice president, you guys, um, I mean, this historic agreement that you came up the CBA in January. I mean, I don't want to downplay it at all because it was so incredibly significant across the board, not just for the WNBA, but, but, you know, how does this change the landscape for the WNBA players? You know, you probably don't have to go now to Europe or China to earn money, you know, to play 12 months a year, all the benefits that are going to come your way. Um, can you talk about that and, and how significant this is? Yes, absolutely. So, wow, that CVA process, I never thought I'd be a part of it. NACA sort of recruited me to joining the WMBPA's executive committee. So I'm vice president, NECA's president, mm -hmm. just because after she get on these calls, she'd be like, today, guess what's happening? Like in the league, like this is what we're moving towards. And like, we'd just be brainstorming. Things. She's like, you might as well join the EC mm -hmm. if you're already talking to me all this time about it and you have great ideas. Mm -hmm. And so basically we knew we were probably likely to opt out of our CBA because the time was to invest in women and to, um, really see us for our true value. Mm -hmm. And so when the opportunity arose for us to really work with the league, it just was amazing because first and foremost, that executive committee of leadership that really spearheaded this, you have literally NECA, an MVP and a champion who's president. You have Leisha Clarendon, who is one, probably the WNBA's best activist. Mm -hmm. You have Elena Deladon, the reigning MVP, stepping up to the table to join us in this fight. You have Sue Bird, just simply the legend on there. Elizabeth Williams, our secretary, who literally did all the calls, which were typically in the evening, um, here in the States, but she did it all from Turkey. So imagine that turnaround wow, on the yeah, time yeah. while she's taking notes and never complained once. Mm -hmm. um, it, Carolyn Swartz, whose family is so tied to Capitol Hill. So she literally mm -hmm. gave us the, the deets there. And then myself, who's like sort of like the, the cheerleader of the bunch and the <laughs> energy bunny, just sort of challenging everyone's thoughts and pushing boundaries. So you have those people and that diverse executive committee pretty much was a great example of the diverse representation of the 144 women that comprise the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And so, sorry, home phone, we had to pray <laughs> quarantine times. And so basically just going through that process with my, with my family, my hoop fam, mm -hmm. where we had to, in order to win and what we created, like what we considered winning was being able to convey our wants and needs to the league, the NBA, without them just shooting everything down and saying, well, you guys should just be happy with us doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the way we did it was through education. In order to get what we wanted, we had to know the league's numbers, their aspirations, and the business better than them so that we can say, hey, we get that, but this is how we're approaching this. Mm -hmm. A good example of that was salary and compensation. Mm -hmm. So a big, we knew that a big issue was the perception of WNBA players' salary. Mm -hmm. And so one narrative that we sort of tried to push out there was like, you guys assume, the people that don't educate themselves on our league, assume that we want NBA player money. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. We do not want equal pay as it pertains to our business because we know our economic realities are different. Mm -hmm. We want fair pay. Mm -hmm. 
A good example of this is the percentage of revenue that the players receive. If you're saying that the guys who play the game are worth 50% of the revenue and we are worth significantly less, we have a fundamental issue because you don't value us as human beings Mm -hmm. as much as you value the men. So like that was one logical way we presented our argument, even though we know the economic realities of our league. And so the cool creative way that we approach salary and compensation was like, all right, this is how you bet on women. This is how you invest in women. We've got our salary numbers all up. First time the average compensation is in six figures for all WNBA players. That's great. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to create incentives so that the star players stay? Yeah. Right, in an right. additional fund through the NBA where they're literally investing, I think I believe $12 million per year to, uh, to hit the pots of certain key players so that maybe the star player that's making over 200000 225000 or so, 200000 know, mm-hmm. plus they can make an additional between 150000 to 300000 so it could be essentially half a mil yeah. keeping a Brianna Stewart here to market the league in the offseason, keeping a Neko Gomeke here instead of going overseas. Yeah. Now you really have some power to push the league forward. And guess what? Those players will be like, you know what? Maybe I can make 800000 or a mil overseas, but I'll take this 500000 and actually be able to rest and have an offseason. Yeah, that was right. a creative way where typically in the NBA, you just have high salaries. Now we have an additional compensation package that the teams will be distributing and also the will be in distributing. Yeah. And so there are so many other cool little nuggets. Mm-hmm. I guess it's all about the creativity, the brainstorming, mental health resources. Yeah. Even as women, we're a league full of working women. Maternity, like maternity pay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't, we didn't realize the reason why our, our CBA resonated with women, not just women in sports, but women, period, is because, wow, you have a league that has ensured that once you leave on maternity leave, you get paid. That's not mm-hmm. the standard in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Women, you're, 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 they're working women that are going through like, you're 40, like Sue Bird is going to be 40 in the Olympics. Olympics, which is amazing potentially. <laughs> yeah. Now we have reimbursements up to sixty thousand for surrogacy, adoption, you uh-huh. know, egg fertilization. Like these are the cool creative ways that we approach the collective bargaining agreement and that's why we're extremely proud. Yeah. Wow, that that's so much. And um you're working with the right league because, you know, since day one, David Stern's vision for the WNBA has been to, to elevate the women's game, right? I mean, it, it's not the same financial model, like you said, very well. I mean, you know, it's just different economics. But at this juncture, have made such significant uh, progress. It's really, really amazing. It's wonderful. And, you know, as a father of three daughters, my, my youngest is 11 and I've been taking my kids to Sparks games since day one. Um, you know, it's just it's just great to see not only you guys on the court, the same court the Lakers play on, but now it's kind of you know equal footing in the workplace, and that's wonderful. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Yeah, and I, I think about all the players that are moms. You know, uh, Candace Parker. I mean, you know, taking their babies, having to go to China, having to go to Italy. You know, and and not having a break and. I mean, didn't Diana Taurasi at one point, she was going to take the WNBA season off because she could make more money overseas. I mean, it didn't make sense. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for um, all that information because that is super important. Um, I want to pivot just um, for the time we have left, if you don't mind, talk about our mutual friend, um, our dear Kobe Bryant and, you know, how close he and I were. And, um, I heard you talk very eloquently about being at the memorial and obviously I saw you there and what an experience that was. I mean, 
I'll never forget it. But, um, you know, we're, what, almost four months in now, and it's still hard to process for me. And I heard you talk about it as well, that he, he and Gigi are gone. It's been kind of a really crappy start of 2020, to say the least. Oh, my gosh. I understand that. Yeah. Where, where were you when you heard the news of I the was, tragedy? I was downtown mm-hmm. um, leaving my apartment in, six blocks away from Staples Center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it was a Sunday morning. I was at my office where I am right now, and uh, my daughter goes to uh, Sunday school. So I just have like a couple hours to myself on Sunday. You know, my wife does her thing at home, and all of a sudden my phone is just blowing up like yours probably was. And I just, I turn on the news and I just could not, I just, I don't, I think I lost my breath. Who texted you? Who told you? (laughs) There were people, it was a friend of mine from Italy, uh, a writer named Moro. He he texted me first and then there was five or six other friends and all, all, all the text said was, is it true? Is it true? Is this true about Kobe? You know? And I'm like, what, what, (laughs) you know, what does that mean? And then my boss called me who you might know Joe Amati from NBA photos. And he was, he was incredibly uh, distraught and he, you know, he reached out to me first and, and then I turned on the news and I just could not believe it. And, you know, then I had to pick up my daughter and then we're driving home, listening to the news. And then it came across the news that Gigi was with him and I just had to pull off the freeway. I just lost it. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, knowing her and knowing him and what potential she had, you know, in the game and what he meant to the, the women's game and what he was, what he had just done, right. With, with bringing so many great women players together, and what he had in mind, it's just, it's beyond, um, and there's no words to really describe it, right? Um, I'm you, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the last thing I want to talk about with you is, is what you're up to now and what the future looks like for you. And, you know, by far, <laughs> you're like one of the most positive, energetic people I've met in this business. And, and you, have, you have so much going on. I mean, you have so much going on, I have to actually read it. I mean, you're an active WNBA player. You're vice president of the WNBA Players Association Executive Committee. You endorse Nike. You're a fellow podcaster with your Certified Buckets podcast. You're an ESPN analyst, a fashion icon and model. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, just this week, you did the, w, the NBA WNBA. NBA Together program. Yeah. Um, you did a Q&A with Candace on Twitter. I mean, am I leaving anything out? <laughs> I know. Busy. Even in quarantine, we find ways to be busier. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it just impresses me about how you have so much energy. And I, I don't know how you do it. Maybe it's another conversation, but I don't know how you're able to prioritize and your time management skills are probably above anybody's I've ever met. Um, <laughs> but what what's the future like for you, Sinead? What, what do you see? I mean, do you see broadcasting as your future or coaching or being in management in sports in some way? What do you think? Honestly, I have zero clue. I have <laughs> had interest from my two, I would say I have three favorite teams in the NBA, but I have two Two of them have interest to like maybe work on the basketball side. Um, I love broadcasting and I also like enjoy life 
when it's bigger than sports, like the mm-hmm. intersection of culture and sports and, you know, our young generation, us finding our voices and advocacy. So I have zero clue, Andy, but one thing I do know <laughs> is that I do a lot just because I'm very grateful. And I understand that as a woman, we have to make the most of our platform that basketball has really afforded us. It's not like we're going to get generational wealth from signing one contract yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. But by saying yes, I've been able to experience so many different things and so many great people, yourself included. <laughs> and um, I really don't know where it's going to go, but I am very excited that I have been given a platform to just be me, have fun, be authentic, love the game and see where it'll take me. Well, um, I mean, it's it's all open for you. I mean, you're you're. I love watching you on ESPN, by the way, and uh, <laughs> keep doing that. Um, I love I, having I, you at our games. <laughs> well, I love I love going to your games, and I love the fact that you and Neca are playing together. I mean, that's one question I forgot to ask you. I mean, what was that like when you found out you were traded to the Sparks, and then you're going to resume your cur- your playing career with your sister and on the professional stage? First and foremost, I'm really grateful to Connecticut for allowing me the flexibility to play with my sister just because like I it was it was tough because like I was with Connecticut through this rebuild and you know you wish you could win a championship and sort of have that perfect storybook ending but life keeps going and so it just provided so much better balance for my career and my personal life on and off the court as it pertains to my family, just being in LA, being able to walk six blocks to go to work and then to also <laughs> see my sister for four or five months out of the year, like something I never really had been able to do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. playing together has just been a dream because basketball has always been, like I said in the beginning, a sisterhood for us. Mm-hmm. It's, we've always been a duo. We've always been a tag team. And so I sort of lost a little bit of that joy playing because it was a job, not mm. necessarily, uh, you know, a, like, you know, the, the, the same sisterhood feel that I got when I was playing with my sister. And so now I've got it back and I've got more sisters too. Yeah, Candace right? always says she's <laughs> the fifth Golden K sister. Yeah. I got new sisters, Tierra Ruff and Pratt's my dog, Kristen's <laughs> family, she's back. So like, yeah. I'm just really grateful to be able to hopefully win a championship with my sister. And then, man, you can't tell me nothing after that. Yeah. How great would that be? Wow. I mean, I know you'd be there. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Another amazing edition of Legends of Sport Friday right here on the Arashmore Kazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune. Shanae Agumike, one of my all-time favorites, a renaissance woman, does it all, Los Angeles Sparks star. Star commentator with ESPN. Just uh, just love hearing her talk about the game and talk about life. Again, she was one of the last people that, that I talked to before the pandemic hits and one of the most prepared people. Uh, so just great to hear this conversation. Another amazing edition, as I said, of Legends of Sport Friday right here on the Rushmore Cosby Show presented by the Sporting Tribune. That's all the time we have for today. So until next week. This is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.